Hey, Melody. Hi, Peter. Sup, Drew. Hey. Welcome to How College Works. Today, we have a guest. Guest, please introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Erin Gordon. <laughs> Thank you for coming on, Erin. I'm a teacher and an avid coordinator at a, high ah. school, a public high school in California. Excellent. All right. So Drew has mentioned avid, but as I mentioned before we started, I don't listen to him. So I don't, please tell me, what is AVID? All right, AVID is an acronym which stands for Advancement Via Individual Determination. And it's actually a nonprofit organization um, that got its start in San Diego Unified School District with one teacher named Mary Lou Swanson. And basically she had a lot of students who were coming to her um, or were, would end up in her class uh, where she would teach them different skills and, you know, writing a resume and um, how to do community service and, you know, how to write a proper essay, things like that. And they started calling it like college or essential skills. And she realized in working with these students that many of them had the, um, you know, desire to go to college, but they didn't have anyone at home to help model that process. A lot of them were, you know, first generation Americans um, and no one in their family had ever gone to college before. And she realized, you know, this is an underserved population in our school. How can we create a program that these students can be enrolled in all four years and literally from ninth grade all the way through to senior year, provide them structured lessons and mentorship and tutoring to help prepare them for the four-year college experience because there's nothing else in the comprehensive high school that's serving that purpose. And so with, of course, you know, all of her colleagues contributing to this, they started the first, what we would now call AVID class. And so she is um, recognized as AVID's founder and she still um, contributes all the time to what AVID's um, mission and vision is. And she's an integral part of the organization itself. But really it was her foundational work all those years back in San Diego that um, spurred what AVID is now, and now it's an international um, program. So it reaches students all across the continental United States. It's in Alaska, Hawaii, and then it's all across the globe. So it's um, not only starting at elementary level now, but it goes all the way up through college. So there are some college campuses that also have um, sort of AVID at the secondary college level um, course, if you will. So it really runs the full gamut from K all the way to college. So it's, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, that is pretty fantastic. I, one of the things which I think, you know, for me thinking about it, you know, my, uh, my parents went to college. They're not like college professors, but they kind of knew enough. And so the expectation of going to college was there, even though they didn't push us. And, you know, I remember my dad saying like, if you're not ready, you can come back. It's nothing wrong with that. I don't think they pushed us. Was that? <laughs> I mean, well, it, it wasn't. No, never mind. I don't want to derail yeah. it. Sorry. <laughs> you know, but it is certainly, I did not think about it at the time, but there was a lot of sort of baked into that sort of perspective and understanding and sort of even just sort of in the expectations, there was preparation. The listeners uh, could definitely go back and hear the last 80 episodes and realize that we're not the population that AVID was aiming at. Not right. that it wouldn't work for us, not that it wouldn't work for us being in the program, but it, you know, it was aimed at students who didn't have the resources that we had and the support that we had at our house. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I think so, as, as listeners, some of our listeners may, you know, hear this and be like, yes, this is precisely me. And many others might be like, why does that matter? Isn't everybody kind of, kind of get there? It's almost like speaking a native language, yeah. right? You don't even know what other people are missing by just not knowing the idioms, not knowing all this stuff that just the trappings that come with. Exactly. So how do, how do schools get this? Because I grew up in uh, rural Oklahoma. 
um, in a pretty poor county. And I'm like, wow, I feel like that my high school would have really benefited from this type of program. How does how does that even get started? That's a really great question. I think from what? (laughs) Sorry, nothing. Watch yourself. I think um, it really just takes one person hearing about it or reading about it or, you know, happening upon a, you know, an avid post on social media because it's out there, but I don't know that every district, for instance, has heard of it. I know that avid does their own form of advertising amongst districts, but really it, it, there's always a spark that, you know, you'll find in a school district, and it might be one, you know, district level administrator, it might be one teacher at a school site, and they hear about it, and they learn more, they might go to a training on where because AVID does all different levels of training for folks who just want to know more about it. Um, You can go to something called a showcase. I know I went to one in Napa, even though my school is already immersed in the AVID culture, and we have it as our as at our school district level, we went to the showcase just to get ideas for like, what are other schools in our area doing mm-hmm. with their AVID programs so we can bounce ideas off of one another and make new contacts. But certainly it's, it doesn't have to be something that a whole bunch of people know about. It can just take one person who then gets really fired up about it and brings it back to their school site principal and says, Hey, you know, I learned about this program. How can we do this? How can we make it happen for our students? And then sometimes what we'll see is that it does take one school sort of electing to invest in AVID at their school site. And then what we see is that it starts to spread because more people want in on what that school has going on. They notice a change in the culture. They notice a change in the um, sort of the mindset and the mission of that school. And ultimately, it affects every aspect of the way that you help educate your students, because that's the goal of AVID big picture is that it will be taken school wide and that students who maybe are not even connected to AVID and actually in the program will still have AVID strategies that they learn throughout their time in that district. So, yeah, I know that here. In my school districts, that's really how it started about 15, maybe closer to 18 years ago now. One teacher learned about it, went to some trainings, went back to the principal and said, we need this here. I see that this could serve a lot of our student population and help those students who don't have the help at home get to college. And they started their program and it's been running for 15 years. And my school that I'm coordinator of AVID at now, we started our program about seven or eight years ago. And so we were kind of, we're still writing their coattails as we learn and grow as a program, figuring out the best strategies to really help it go school wide. But it's really, you know, each one teach one and we just bring new, new teams into the fold. And, you know, thankfully, because the two comprehensive high schools in our district um, chose to, you know, have AVID, we started to pull in the middle schools that are our feeder schools. And so then they were the next group that said, we want AVID. So, and now we have it that it's trickled all the way down to our elementary schools. So we're really excited that it can, we can share the wealth of information that we have and strategize so that as students progress from elementary school to middle school and then to high school, we have all these systems in place for support. So it makes it work so much more easily. And then we get really creative about funding ideas and how we can financially support the program because it is a, it's an investment. The district has to be willing to commit to the trainings and those are not free and things of that sort. So of course there's always a financial tie, but, Mm-hmm. Um, where there's a will, there's a way. And I'm really grateful like, that we have that. Three years or something is a grant, and then you have to start selling candy and okay, no, you have to, <laughs> funding, yes. <clears throat> always a always to say bake sale, but bake yeah. sale. That's what I mean. <laughs> I in the share, of COVID, no yeah. way. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I want to share how I heard about this program first, which was not in this district that you and I work in right now, but it was um a previous place I work. And what I think 
my eyes lit up and the light bulb went on when I heard it was at, at that time, I don't know, I'm sure it's changed a smidge, but it was something like 96% of students who go through the AVID program are accepted into college. And one of the other teachers in the, in the little, this was a little informational training from one of the teachers who was actually running the program at that school. And another teacher raised a hand and asked like, well, how many of them finished college? And I, I, you know, snarkily said like, who cares? Like 96% acceptance is 30% better than this school's graduation rate. And we're talking oh. about acceptance into college. Like we're, that's crushing it. Like if, if that's really what the numbers are, whatever is happening, let's find out and let's make it happen. Because, you know, if our graduation rate is 68%, but the kids that are in that class are 96% accepted to college, like stop asking questions and go, go, go launch. Yeah. Like, and then it was like, so what's happening in there? This is a philosophical situation. This is a training the teachers how to deliver for the needs of the student. And when you think about somebody like me coming from the Midwest with my upbringing, my background and whatever, and then having to um, serve students in a very different, um, you know, economic cultural, every, everything, I, all of the tools I had were not adequate for teaching my students. <laughs> um, that's the training that, that I, that some of that training, some of that ideas, that philosophy was something that I would have needed in the classroom to support my students in study tactics in you know, how to go out and advocate for support that they need and help that they need to transition to college. It, it, to me, it was like, yes, it was definitely light bulbs going on and saying, you know, if you're in a, as an administrator in a district saying, we've got to get accreditation, we've got to get um, a plan on paper that says we're serving all of the populations, that says we are pushing forward students' um, graduation rate and acceptance rate. This is, the, this is like a slam dunk. Nope. Then the problem is funding, right? right. But if you right. say the dollars are behind um, completion, the dollars are behind students completing, this is it. Like, how do you, how do you fight those numbers? If the number, if the, if, you know, fantastic claim requires fantastic support, then let's go see, is it really 96%? Why is it 96%? Like what, what magic is happening? It's not magic. It's hard work and, and knowledge of the philosophy that's going into the teaching practice. Right. Yeah. I'll point out for listeners that 96%, like they may have no nothing to hang that on it's like why is this impressive like doesn't everybody graduate or doesn't don't most people graduate uh the college completion rate is like 78 percent something like that it, it is i mean it, it depends on sort of like the institution but you know that high 90s past 95 percent uh, mm -hmm. for almost anything that's is is insanely high I, it i've is heard of really hard I, to do. i've worked at four high schools and all of them had hovering around 68, 69% graduation rate. That means, that means starting in freshman year cohort of 500, how many of that 500 graduated? And it's, and because there's attrition and there's students moving out or, or dropping out after 10th grade algebra, um, it's, mm -hmm. it's down in that 70%, 70, some schools that I've most recently at were re really high, even as 76, 77%. I don't know what, what it is now, Aaron, but, uh, you know, that high school that, that we were at is, was pretty high, relatively high, but still not 96%. Like that's just an unheard of number. Right. Right. Like yeah. getting, like having at a college level, having, uh, 78, 75% of your people arriving to come to your school complete within six years is, that's, that's okay. I mean, you want to do better, but you're not like, oh my God, this is horrible. If you're hitting like 80, 85%, you're, you're like slam dunk, regional best, most awesome, you know, like pushing into 90s. I don't know how heard of that is just because even though college is much more self-selected in terms of it's not compulsory, people want to generally want to be there but not everyone's going to be prepared for it not everybody actually wants to be there you know so having you know just this this uh, percentage of people who are coming is like it's not for me i'm not ready life happens and they drop out is it's uh i would if a college was like we have a 95 percent graduation rate i'd be like oh what <laughs> right I, super know. impressive yeah, seriously. So have Abby being like 96% of, of the people who go through the program get accepted to college is 
is magical, right? It's like, <laughs> yeah, it like, is. Wave a wand. It's pretty amazing. And um, I think what's awesome too, and just looking at the like avid national snapshot um, data, which is available to anyone from their website, avid.org, um, 86% of the class of 2020 um, reported plans to go on to post-secondary. And that plan could be starting at community college and then transferring to a four-year. But just the fact that that many students out of the, you know, hundreds of thousands that are educated with, you know, AVID as their um, support program, I think is huge. But yeah, I mean, it is, it's focused on preparing students for the college, um, you know, right out of high school. So we have a huge emphasis at our local high schools on completing the A to G requirements. Um, I'm sure you all talk about those often, or maybe, are you familiar with those? It's, I think it's called something different in other states. That's a California thing. A to G is, um, in university, it's, it's like a liberal arts thing. You have to complete one credit from A and two from B and whatever it is. And G so is like, like the main arts. Core. Yeah. Yes, yeah. It's right. Like, so essentially each part. subject area is designed assigned a letter, either A through G, and you have to have completed a certain number of credits, like Andrew was explaining, in each of those lettered areas. Um, of course, things like English, you have to have four years of math is, you know, recommended three, but it's two to graduate, things like that. So what it has done is it's helped California high schools reset, essentially, the way that they um, create their curriculum and the way that they design their four-year plan for students. Whereas before, maybe in the 90s and 80s and 70s, schools were just doing kind of all kinds of different things. Uh, whatever seemed mm -hmm. cool or interesting, they'd <laughs> throw into their the course selection. Of your diploma was based on your zip code. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's really helped refine where we're going and uh, the standards that we want to address in each of those classes. So I think it's been a good thing overall, just speaking as a student of the 90s, coming in as an educator in the early 2000s, and now this is my 17th year in the public high schools. Um, as a teacher, I think it's helped us refocus quite a bit and really um, prepare the students even better for the college experience and be able to transition with the same skill set across the board. Now, with that being said, high school graduation is still something that some students are having struggles achieving. So, you know, when we talk about preparation, we have to look at graduation first as the first hurdle that our students are jumping. And so in AVID, you know, of course, I would hope that you recognize we would have 100% graduation rate. And then above and beyond that, when we look at A to G requirements, we're usually right at 100%. Sometimes we're at 99% because what we've noticed is we sometimes will retain a student for social emotional support. Um, not that they have it in, say, a 504 plan or even in an IEP, something that's, you know, very regimented and strict, but maybe they've had some life circumstance happen. And um, we realized, you know, that really derailed the student from potentially earning a passing grade in a certain class. But they really, really want to be there because what's huge in AVID is we create what's what we consider our AVID family. It's really this dynamic of your teacher not just being your teacher, but almost your coach, your mentor, your, you know, your mom at school, your school mom. I mean, most of my avid students that they called me mom. I, I answer to that at school because it's not something negative. You know, it's yes, they see me as school mom and I'm okay with that because they know that there's that heart relationship that we don't often find with our other teachers that you build in the avid classroom. And that's a unique circumstance of it as well. You have two different options for how the program can be designed, especially at the comprehensive um, high school site. You can either choose to have your teachers stay with them for the duration of the four years, or you can choose to have them rotate through four different teachers, one each grade level. And I've had 
the privilege of being able to teach at one school site with Andrew's wife, um, where we rotated and had different um, grade level AVID teachers. And I specialized in the sophomore and junior years. And then coming to the school site that I'm at now, um, their AVID program had just finished year one. So I was able to pull into the program and I got a new um, class of students in our second year. And they graduated class of 2019, but they were our school's second group of AVID students ever. And so I had the experience of going from an, you know, a, a really well-implemented school site to one that was having it brand new. And that was a journey in and of itself, but one that I was really fortunate to be a part of and just help with the growing pains because it does get to a point where you're like, I don't know what to do next, you know, phone a friend. So I was there to help contribute some ideas. And at this school site, we actually retain our students all four years. And I can tell you, hands down, I prefer this method of being able to stay with your students. And that's where you get those relationships that, you know, you see students calling you mom or, you know, or really confiding in you in a way that they wouldn't maybe trust another educator because they don't know them well enough. We get to peel back all the layers. The students get to know you really well. They get to know each other really well. And that bond is, it feels like unbreakable. You feel like a pseudo family within the school and um, go through all these experiences together. You know, even being in one another's classes, they know immediately, oh, that's, you know, my avid brother, sister, whatever they might call them, my classmate, but they know in that person that they already have a confidant. Yeah. And then it just makes our class even stronger because they have those outside of avid class bonds. But I think that's part of what has helped us get to the point where we can graduate all of our students on time. The almost every year, every student is A to G um, eligible. And we can also get those huge numbers of students getting accepted to four-year colleges because we're helping them select schools that are within their, you know, scope. We're not shooting for the stars. We do promote that, but we're not having them select schools that are so far out of reach that the chance of them getting in is minimal. We're going to Oxford. Oxford. (laughs) No Cambridge, man. Cambridge, come on. (laughs) So I want to point out, like, so A to G, if you, if you graduate with A to G, finished or whatever you can then start at a four-year uc um right then otherwise you would be going to a community college in california to get some credits before you could go to the uc campus for degree so that that is a um eases the the transition if you're a to g ready or compliant or whatever they're calling it nowadays uh, i'm not an expert on it but we did have our counselors talk about that i think when we <laughs> I think they might have. I mean, so I have a question in terms of for the AVID class. Uh, it sounds like my impression sounds of what you and Drew talked about, that it's, it is what we might refer to as soft skills, like uh, how to study, how to manage your time, how to, how to busy navigate as, as opposed to like a subject topic, like history kind of a class where, is that, is that correct? Is that kind of where you're aiming? It is. We incorporate a lot of the soft skills that you just mentioned, but we also do quite a bit on um, goal writing and tracking those goals because we want our classrooms to be a place where we enter every day with intention and we are not wasting time and doing busy work. We're doing something that's going to help move you forward at least every week, we're getting something done that's helping to build your portfolio, essentially, that will ready you for college. And so by the time a student, right, by the time a student progresses through, um, we used to do the, like these big portfolios that were really impressive and great. But essentially, the students should have a resume that is updated, showing all of their activities, awards, um, you know, just even in their employment um, tests that they've taken as far as AP and um, SAT or ACT, 
Um, they should have their, their transcript within that. They should have their letters of recommendation from teachers and or counselor. They should have their um, practice college application. So we usually do it on, on pencil, just pencil and paper first. And then that way they can transcribe everything and type it in as they go along, but they have a model to follow. Um, and then they should also have their personal statement and not just one, but up to three different versions of their personal statement. One that's specifically um, submitted to colleges, a second that can stand in place for virtually any scholarship that you might apply for. And then a third that they might um, use for say an English class if their English teacher wanted them to write on, you know, how have you grown over the last four years or something to that effect. Um, and so we build on those skills that will get them those products produced by the end of the four years. And so our curriculum is mainly Monday and Wednesday. We're doing some form of avid curriculum. And based on the grade level, that curriculum is going to be a little bit different. Um, and so in 10th grade, for instance, there's a big emphasis on job skills and learning about different types of jobs and actually having students do mock interviews, which yeah. my students were too good at because most of them took what we did and went out and actually got jobs. And I was like, but wait a minute, like, <laughs> school's not done yet. You got to finish strong, you know? So a lot of them were really excited, but they did. They went out and got jobs. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. I was so thrilled for them. And they were excited too. And I was like, okay, well, I guess that worked. So <laughs> I was just trying to keep them on track. Like, okay, you have to now learn how to manage work and school. Don't forget, this is where we're doing all the work to get you ready for college. The job will always, a job will always be there. So you can always make money, but you got to get to college first. So that was tricky. <laughs> um, and then on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we promote something called tutorology, which is essentially AVID's tutoring program. And so at my school site now, I am supervisor to, I think at, right now we have 13 college age tutors that um, actually push into our classrooms. And we normally have anywhere between four to six tutors per class. So they can break the students up into small groups and it's small group tutoring. And so our tutor doesn't have to get up there and show them answers. They really work almost as um, a mediator, kind of encouraging the group discussion, but they want the students to work through and problem solve to find the correct answer. And so they're constantly checking for with their group, am I on the right track, checking against their notes or their uh, textbook, am I on the right track, and then verifying with the tutor, does this look good to, you know, and so that process in and of itself is huge, because yeah. the one thing a lot of freshmen don't know how to do when they get to college is how to run a study group, so our avid students are aces, they can go anywhere and run a study group, because on they've learned trained for that for four years. I will, I will say, I was involved, um, I think it was through the Office of Minority Education at MIT when I was there, this is exactly what they did. Yes. I, I worked, I was, I did not do, I mean, I stepped in because they needed somebody to do it. And it was, it was worked with what I was working on at the time, you know, so I would facilitate, I wouldn't tell them the answer. They would come, they would work. I would, if they're going off the rails, I'd stop them. <laughs> but otherwise like they're working together and I'm just there to kind of observe and make sure this stuff happens. And so this is, this is like high level. This is exactly MIT. This is it. <laughs> we talked about soft skills and collaboration and, 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 but also relationship building. And to me that this is like, this is education supercharged. Okay. Right. Because the relationship building allows me to drop my effective filter. It's okay to fail. It's okay to make mistakes. And I know right. that it's not going to yell at me. I'm not going to be shamed about not turning it in because when somebody shows up to avid class with, they don't have their questions written or their notes finished. All right, well, let's, let's do it. Let's do it now. Go ahead, pull yep. it out. Let's, here's your paper. And they don't shame you about you forgot your pencil, or your backpack. It's like, oh, here's your pencil. I got you a paper. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. You know, today is the move forward. We're going to move forward. Here's the paper. Let's work on it. And, and that relationship is built where uh, the students in the room 
I, my, it's my avid brother. You said it, it's, it's safe to be knowledgeable. It's safe to be smart. It's safe to take a risk. It's safe to fail in front of my peers where I won't be ridiculed for being smart or nerdy or geeky or whatever. We're all here with that same goal in mind. And that to me, for me, that was, that was marching band was that group where I could go in and, and have that same feeling of community and family. Yeah. And a lot of students don't have that uh, group already built. And right. that's, what, that's what AVID is doing. So that to me, I'm just thinking, of, I'm listening to this again and, and hearing, you know, reliving how excited I was when I first heard about this program. And I'm also reminded of reading way back in the day of Harlem Children's Zone and what's his name, Canada. Um, which had its own different like little things in the news, but, but it was that same idea of community building, of making it okay to, to learn, making it okay to, to become knowledgeable, to advance yourself, um, you know, from, from a, a full spectrum idea, not just a, I'm teaching algebra one for one hour and then see ya. Right. Right. Kind of thing. right. This also reminds me of, I forget it's uh it's a program in University of Maryland Baltimore I think which was for African American students and it was specifically for getting them into graduate school and medical school and the mm -hmm. same kind of high contact everybody's there hey I'm just another student but Aaron I noticed you weren't in biology today Are you okay everything all right you know then the professor right. comes in is all like you weren't in biology Aaron everything okay like this very high contact very sort of keeping up with everybody uh and they again had like massive success like their acceptance into graduate school was uh crazy high uh, right and speaking to that like you know as mom i am in your business that's <laughs> just what i do and my students knew that i was all up in their business and that I took my role as their avid teacher incredibly seriously. And I was not going to let them fail because I said, if you fail, I failed. And I am not allowing that. I will not stand for it. Yeah. And, you know, That's we had several uh, really intense just discussions where I was like throwing the hammer down because I knew that they were not stepping up to the plate and they had every opportunity but for whatever reason, they were faltering. And it's like, no, no, no. If I'm here putting in the hard work right next to you, I expect you to be working as hard, if not harder than I am. And they're and able to hear that okay. message from you too. <laughs> right. Yeah, if, right? I just, yeah, if, if I just if, rolled up to my students and said that, they'd be like, yeah, oh. if, if I'm just a, like, if I'm just, you know, Mr. Highland, you know, math one, um, right. and I see you an hour a day and I try and, and I try and lay this, onto you then it's like who are you yeah whatever yeah. True, you know, you're not in a position to drop truth bombs i'm just like thinking that. like when when i was teaching um up at river city uh the the across the hall from me was the avid teacher and they called her mom also and so i got to see every single interaction every day as we stood in the in the hallway during passing period and they would all go into a room and and it was that exact relationship communication with every single student Hey mom, how's it going? Hey, did you get your questions? Did you get your notes written? All right, let's get going. And that, that is a, a, a bond level and a comfort level where they, a coaching relationship where they can hear the, the critique, where a student can hear the critique and take action on it and not hear the critique and get into stress response. Right. right. Absolutely. Because again, again, for me, it was banned where I could take critique on you know how am I playing? I miss notes, whatever. I could hear it from the from the music teacher and make changes and get better right. because I wasn't having stress response. I was having like, okay, I'm in I'm in flow. I'm in work mode, and I can hear the I can hear the criticism and keep and then make changes. And that's where we have to be able to get to if we're going to make serious advancement quickly, right? And and so, Avid is is it sounds to me. I've not been trained on it, so. <laughs> but, but seeing the, the evidence of it, seeing my students who went through AVID program and seeing my colleagues who taught AVID program, like the stuff that's in place in the classroom, the policies, procedures, the routine of it, um, 
facilitates and supports getting into flow state with studying, learning and absorbing quickly, taking on criticism and critique and making changes from it and doing feedback nonstop all day. All the time. Yep. That's very true. And we, we have opportunities for fun. We call our Fridays fun Fridays, you know, because we do know that by the end of the week, we're all exhausted. So it's like, okay, let's let go for a minute. Let's do, you know, a quick, like fun activity where we all just get to laugh and be goofy or be outside and, you know, just do something that's outside of the normal. And that's again, part of those SEL practices where you are just trying to support your students socially and emotionally. And, um, you know, those times are fun because you get to bond in different ways. And, uh, you know, you might find out that you have something in common that's really silly with another student, but you're like, oh, my, I love BTS too. Oh my God, you know, or whatever. And it's, it's just cute. So yeah, those are super fun moments that the students really enjoy and that we love too, because we need it by Friday. Like, just thinking about all that you've managed Monday through Thursday, you come to Friday and you're like, oh, now I can let my guard down a little bit too, take a deep breath. But you all just yeah. enjoy that opportunity together. It's and not unearned. Just- it's not just like Friday just for Friday. It's Friday because we worked hard and we did the work. Yeah, right. And they may have a test or a quiz in every other class. I don't know on a Friday, right? So my... Yeah. Fun Friday and Avid is there like one break where they get to take a deep breath on a Friday and it could have been sandwiched between their two hardest classes that they were cramming for all last night. I have no idea. And it's a great chance for them to just check in with themselves and be like, okay, I got this, you know, and sometimes they would say things to me coming out, you know, of the room on a Friday as I'm greeting them or saying goodbye to them for, the weekend, like, oh my gosh, that was so fun. Now I have to go take an, you know, AP Spanish test in fifth period. And I'm like, I'm sorry, you're gonna go, you're gonna do great though. So it gives you that chance to like give them that last little tip of um, positive feedback and that last little boost of motivation as they're leaving for the weekend. And yeah, those fun Fridays are super duper um, useful to us. And, you know, even if we can't do that in every class period, um, that's not avid, we can do five minutes of it, you know, here or there, or seven minutes or 10 minutes of just that intentional, let's have a moment where we're just all gonna let our guard down for a minute, have some interaction, doesn't have to be biology or algebra or, you know, US world or world history, it can just be what it is. And the students enjoy that. That the context of the space is not, we're walking in Mr. Highland's room and it's just super serious. And I know that there's gonna be heavy emotional consequence for failure. And every minute that we're in there from Monday to Friday is just nonstop severe, you know, finger wagging shame. Then it's it's no bueno and your filter is up and you're not learning as a student, right? Yeah, definitely. I I read a lot about that in, my classes where I have them write a reflective essay about their relationship with science. There's and there's a lot of that that comes in because they're taking this class, these classes because they they're they're not science people, and one of the reasons often is that they have had these traumatic experiences where they uh, they don't say that they don't learn. Sometimes it is like they don't learn. <laughs> but it's pretty apparent that the, it is like emotionally distressing and like their guard is up. They're not, they can't be a sponge because they're too busy with a hard shell to ward off yeah. all of the negative attacks. 45 minutes going like, please don't call on me. Please don't call on me. <laughs> and knowing for many of my students who write about that, knowing they're going to get called on that, yeah. that this, that this teacher is waiting for them to not know it, to call on them in a science class. Right. And so that's why, they are doing anything but, right? So we oh, do. So, Aaron, I don't know if you know, but I teach writing and I direct the writing center where I work. And we do something kind of similar to what Peter does. We do a literacy narrative. And so many of my students choose negative mm-hmm. stories or experiences. They can choose positive, but I, <laughs> those traumatic things. But like they get, I, 
we, there's a lot of baggage with writing and reading and stuff also. Um, and it's just so sad. <laughs> so I'm so glad that there's like a way or at least one space on some of those high school campuses where they can have that space. Um, because sometimes it really just has these long, like they're like in third grade, this happened and I never got over it. And here they are like 18 oh. <laughs> trying yeah. to like make it through their first college writing class and they don't feel like they know anything. And I'm like, but you do, it's fine. We can do it. Um, and I've actually had a couple of students write about positive experiences with AVID, um, which is kind of oh, how I came to know it a little bit. Yeah. I was like, Oh, so they always have positive experiences with AVID. Um, and I think that a lot of them who, if they, they weren't enrolled, they would have really benefited from like that program or whatever. Um, so just to kind of connect with what Peter was saying about, you know, it's hard uh, for students to kind of enter into those spaces and then they come to college and they still have that. And it's really, it's a difficult transition and they have all this self-doubt. Um, so. Yeah. Well, and we're also generally not set up to be as quite as supportive at least in that way. I mean, there's many professors that I've met who are very supportive of their students, but they, the level of being like the mom, the school mom. There are very few professors that I know, or school dad, there are very few professors that I know that uh, even if they could want to move in that direction, to be seen in that light, it, it, you know, we don't generally see that as, as um, if that's our primary interaction with students, we often feel like it's not where we want them to be. We want to be moving towards a more professional sort of interaction. We want, we want to be approachable. We want to get to know our students, but we do want to have kind of a level of formality that sort of bars that quite closeness with them. Um, that's my experience. And, and I think many of my colleagues, you know, we haven't had that discussion, but I think I see many of the same things that they are welcoming and supportive, but more on the professional side as opposed to the mom side. Um, so I think it's uh, kudos because A, thank you for being a space where students can have this positive interaction and help them to succeed. And also B, thank you for being willing to be school mom because I am not quite willing to be college dad. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, you're welcome. No, I loved it. Um, and so, yeah, when my four years with my students was over, I chose to um, take a year break. And I was thinking about getting back into um, the AVID program as a teacher. And then I thought, you know, I feel I still don't feel ready because my students are now currently sophomores in college, you know, and with everything that's happened over the last year, I certainly didn't want to jump into it in a virtual setting because it just is one of those courses that doesn't translate the same through Zoom as a platform as it does in person. I mean, we had to take our tutoring virtual. I mean, it's just, it's odd. It, it just mm -hmm. doesn't really vibe. So, um, vibe, yeah. you know, I don't foresee in the future that I'll, go back into it as a teacher, but I, I love coordinating and I love being able to help teachers get ideas on how to do things. And um, one thing that I love that we did in addition to having our AVID curriculum and Melody, a lot of what we do is focus on writing because we want our students to know, you know, how to bring in those personal experiences into their essays when they're writing a narrative because we have to be very intentional about helping students learn how to write about themselves mm -hmm. to get to the point that they can write a productive personal statement. Um, a lot of students really falter with that and it's hard for them because they've, they haven't really learned how to write about themselves. They've learned how to write about characters in a story. They've learned how to write about a plot. They've learned how to write about, you know, all these other things, um, literary devices that they've used, but they don't know how to write about me. And having a student look inward and think about, okay, what motivates me? What drives me? Um, what's been part of my, um, you know, narrative? Are there central themes? Are there experiences that I've used to, you know, push me in a certain direction or 
that I've used for, um, you know, a reason to close off from other people or what have you, right? Um, so Abbott developed a huge writing curriculum with a professor, and I know I'm going to say the wrong school, but I want to say she's UC San Diego. I took the class, I took her um, writing strand during what's um, our Abbott Summer Institute. That's our annual huge training opportunity. And you, you know, if you ever go on abbott.org, they have a gazillion different cities that it's happening in. They usually have a different one each week of the summer. Sometimes they'll have two going on in the same week. But yeah, I took her class years ago and what curriculum she was able to create was just fantastic. Um, but yes, we absolutely are very intentional about writing skills. But um, what I wanted to say is that I think what's difficult about, you know, having students for those four years and then having to say goodbye is them going into the unknown in a way. Because I don't know who they're going to interact with at that college level. I don't want them going off thinking they're an imposter and suffering from imposter syndrome. I want them to go off with some wind, you know, in their wings, feeling like they have the confidence to do this, that they deserve to be where they are and that they have every ability to be successful. And that's the hard part. Did I work hard enough in those four years to plant that seed and nurture that seed so that it continues to grow and cultivate within them so that even in their college years, they can say, I can do this. I know I have what it takes to be here. I know that I deserve to be in this space and not feel like, hmm, do I need to sit with Mr. Highland and tell him about why I'm struggling in biology, right? Because that's, that's one of those parts that you just don't, you don't know until they get there in that experience. So yeah, and that's, that, that's hard. Yeah. And that's uh, like, I, I, I say a, a constant struggle for or listeners who are students who are like, I don't, I'm not a hundred percent sure that is that's something that you, we come back to it over and over again. And so if, if you're having those self doubts, that doesn't, that doesn't mean you're in the wrong place. Uh, no. It means you're being challenged. And right. that's, that's where your growth happens. That's where you, you know, rise like a phoenix from the ashes this is where you become a new person where you get these these new skills like it is super super like almost a hundred percent in grad school that imposter syndrome that you go in there oh, yeah. and you're like look at all these amazing people <laughs> like did they read the right application <laughs> you know and sort of a thing is like maybe maybe there's a different person that they meant to admit or maybe they mm -hmm. went to a better school and I'm just like sneaking in here and mm -hmm. I'm really not there like almost everyone I went to grad school with and my wife went to grad school with for English uh had those times where we're like maybe maybe we should just go work at Home Depot <laughs> maybe, maybe this is, is this too much for me right and so yeah it's, it's really I actually, hard i actually yeah. put an application at, at home depot right when i moved out here to california i was like recently <laughs> no. <laughs> no 2003 but yeah no that that's that's definitely the topic of, of a lot of our episodes is is that once you're in here to university first year and you're a semester in or half a semester in or three quarters of the year and having that feeling of like, and recognizing it for what it is and being able to say like, how do I reach out? Where do I reach out? If I don't know, how do I find out? Uh, but realizing that that is, that feeling is floating through me and, and it's, and, and not having that, that um, unconscious um, defense mechanism of shutting down and right failing out and, and, and finishing after one year instead of, <coughs> excuse me, finding, finding the right um, support and resources because the professor is not going to be college dad, but the, or college mom. Um, but, but there is resource for those type of things at university. And that, you know, uh, they're just, and I think there's, you know, that's another topic of some of our episodes was why that is and, and, and why, the, you know, because we're now 
age majority adults, we're, we're finding those resources, that emotional support, that, you know, um, support network outside of the class hour, the class, you know, period with, with the teacher. And um, so that's, and that's the topic of our podcast too, is, is, is the clash between the expectation that school is going to be, you know, everything for me, which it has been for 18 years. And when I get to university, I have to do most of it for myself. I have to organize my own birthday party, make my own cake, invite my own friends, write my own invites. My mom's not going to do it for me. And, you know. Right. It's why you got to save the laundry till you go home at spring break. That's it, baby. That's it. Yeah. I had a friend who bought new right. socks because he ran out of clean socks. I, I'm not so proud that mm-hmm. I'm going to say I didn't do that. I just... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Drew, we failed you. <laughs> <laughs> right, when, the, when the sink gets full, you throw it all in the trash and buy new dishes. So whatever. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's a big it's a big transition, and it doesn't help that it looks similar, right? That it looks like high school. I go to class. I have an instructor. Yeah. So at Avid at the college level, does it just continue to support the students who are enrolled at high school level or maybe who come to college as first generation um, and they kind of offer same sort of navigational kind of tactics for going through the system? Yeah, from what I understand of it, and I don't know quite as much about it um, because I'm actually curious to see what it really looks like and functions as at the college level, but from what I've been able to interpret it is very much a support um, program I believe that they still like they would in a comprehensive high school site have an avid counselor where mm-hmm. they can look at their transcript and you know give advice on what classes to take per major etc um, and I think they still provide some level of tutoring to students or study group opportunities So I think a lot of the strategies and, um, you know, just ways of being a support program are still in place, but obviously what would be different is, you know, having to organize it across a a college campus. So I think probably similar to how EOP works here in California, Andrew, if you're familiar with that, um, or Melody or Peter, it's educational opportunity program. And it's across all of our public um, universities here in California. And it is, it's essentially like an AVID. So we take students who are from underserved, underprivileged backgrounds, or just who need extra support, whether it be financial or academic, et cetera. And we align them with mentors and um, and they have an actual office that students can go into and get set up with tutoring and, just all these different supports to help aid those students who, like Andrew said, they might say, hey, you know, I, I need help. I'm struggling. So they can go there and get that help. So I think Abbott is either working in cooperation with EOP at some of our California schools, or if they don't have an EOP, they may have a version of Abbott that's doing the same basic work. Awesome. Yeah, that's super fantastic. Yeah. I feel cheated, but I always feel cheated. It's fine. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you, you turn out okay, Melody. It's okay. I know, but I'm like, where would I have been if I had had support? Right. Did you want to be teaching at Stanford, Melody? You would have been the right stress at Harvard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's just some of this stuff is really tricky. Like technically my, my dad has a four-year degree, but he never used it and he went as an untraditional student. And so like he does, I mean, he couldn't answer anything. And I was just like, God, did you even go to school? Right. You're (laughs) like, thanks for nothing here. Yeah. And I don't know. It was just really, it was really, and it's still, I still feel like I'm trying to navigate higher ed in some ways. Right. It's just a really includes, like, I don't know, like it's, I don't feel like I'm included and you have to like push your way through and there's no one there to guide you. And so it can be really overwhelming. And so it's just really great that there are things like this for people who need that or want. I will say Melody that at the level of of college that you're at now, yeah, 
your parents having a further degree wouldn't help. Even as an undergrad, like even just like figuring out like financial aid, like it yeah. was so hard. Confusing. And I was like, Hey, Super you guys confusing. need to do this. And they're like, why? And I'm like, because I have to. And they're like, no. And I'm like, what? I don't know. It was just like really hard um, to figure out like simple stuff um, that was like necessary. Like you have to fill out a FAFSA and like, it was like a huge hurdle every year to get them to help me or to give me their taxes or whatever. It was just like, they didn't understand, you know, like why, why do you need our stuff? You know? And I'm like, it's just required. (laughs) (laughs) And that's part of the education we provide too. So we part, you know, we always come into each school year and we, we work with our parents and say, we're partnering with you because it takes all three of us, the student, parent, and the avid teacher for this to work and to get your student where we all have collectively said we want them to go, which is straight to college. So we do in the junior year, we preface our, our parents with saying, please do your taxes because one do your taxes yeah we we will need your tax information when your child goes to do their FAFSA for next year so if you don't do it this year it's going to make next year's senior year even more stressful than it needs to be and then in the senior year we start out day one with our parents and say this year will be a long very eventful year So we need for you to plan here are the most important dates that you need to mark off on your calendar. And we're going to be working with you on the financial aid for your students. So we teach about financial aid to our students, but then we also uh, back that up with a parent financial aid night. So where we go over all the different types of financial aid and AVID really partners with our school. We have a school, um, the program is called DCAC. And I know I'm going to miss, you know, um, announce what the name of it is, but essentially they're a college and career advisor that's provided to us through um, that EOP program and ours are stationed mainly from UC Berkeley, but there's also one at UC Davis. And so we kind of get those cohort um, counselors who are in college themselves. Uh, Most of them are either finishing up college or they're going into their first year of their master's program and school counseling. So it it serves two purposes and providing them real on the ground experience working with students while they're also, you know, fulfilling this requirement that they have for their counseling program. And we work together and partner on that presentation. We call it cash for college. And we basically just go over all the financial aid forms, um, what parents need to have and provide to their student. We set up a separate session just for FAFSA. We usually do about three different FAFSA nights with parents where we sit them down in front of the computer. We say, okay, everybody click here. Boom. Everybody <laughs> click here, there. Da-da-da. And they have to, we give them a checklist of things to bring so that they're not going into this meeting without knowing, oh, you needed to have your taxes done. You needed to have this, you need to have that. And it, it flows so nicely because The parents walk in super high stressed because they don't know what to expect. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And by the time they leave, almost every student's FAFSA is submitted. And you should just see their whole face changed. By the time they leave, they're just like this sense of relief. And the students were like high-fiving, like, yeah, you got it in. You know, and we're just all excited for them because this is one of the first I feel like what you're describing, the process you've described for a senior year should just be called school. (laughs) (laughs) like that should just be school so the whole senior year should just be like hey prepping to finish yes every day we're going to come in and do something to get that diploma right every day we're going to come in and do something for fafsa every day we're going to come in and and make a plan for celebration time you know what i mean like every single moment of senior year ought to be that productive yep because it doesn't seem like it is for a lot of students are you saying that government and econ classes weren't productive for you? Is that what you're saying? I'm saying that I had three hours of being an office aide my senior year. That wasn't super. You weren't doing your FAFSA at that time? Uh, (laughs) Actually, no, I wasn't doing my FAFSA because my parents were confused. (laughs) Right. 
three was hours it? of office aid. You <laughs> was it office aid? Well, because I completed all of these other credits, right? And so they're like, well, you have to do something during the day. And so that's what I did. I ran around and like took notes, took classes and picked up attendance slips, you know, back before computers. <laughs> right. Yeah. I feel like we would have had you enrolled in like biomed phlebotomy or something. <laughs> I am making money with that. I should have been taking another year of foreign language. I should have been taking another year of math, but I wasn't advised in that direction either, right? Probably because I didn't have AVID. <laughs> <laughs> math is the language of the universe. No. Oh my God. I, mean, I don't love math, but someone should have been like, you could probably take this and it will help with, you know, college stuff. Or, you know, you really should take another year of foreign language because you can probably test out or, you know. Yeah. Or even they could have started with what are your plans after high school? No one asked me that. Right? Like, if that was the first question, that would have spurred the whole conversation about picking your major, getting support yeah. with your applications. Someone could have and told then, you not to major in English. Ah. Oh, burn. Okay. I feel like I, I'm, I'm I think everyone it. assumed I was a, I was a good student and they just assumed that I was going to college and maybe they just assumed I didn't need help or that I didn't need these kinds of supports. I don't know what it was, but like, I don't feel like I got the kind of support that I, and I ended up going to a community college, which was a good deal financially for me. And I have zero regrets about that, but I also don't feel like I, I don't feel like I felt like I had a ton of options. Um, and I don't know, part of it was just like, well, these people are talking to me and are helping me. I'll just go there. Yes. Isn't that so true? Because mm -hmm. that's what we found too. I mean, we take our students on at least one field trip every semester. So by end of senior year, they've gone to at least eight schools, but we throw in a bonus, um, trip, which is what we call our junior college road trip. So their junior year, they have the option of going on a three-day, two-night um, college bus tour. And we start in our city, and we either do the Northern California route, which goes out to kind of the Central Valley, and then back around, um, stopping through San Jose State on our way back um, to home. Or we go to Southern California, which goes... <laughs> which goes all the way down. I think the farthest south is UC Riverside and then comes back up with their northernmost stop being Cal Poly San Luis Obispo wow. on their way home. And so what it does is it gives students even more colleges to explore. But like you said, Melody, who's talking to me and offering me support? They get to make contacts at each of these schools and actually step foot on the campus mm. and see that for themselves. And what we found is that the schools our students go to visit in person are the schools they apply to mm -hmm. nine yeah. times out of 10. I've had very few students in our AVID program apply to be admitted to and attend a school that they never saw in person. Yeah. It's before. like buying a house. You just like the first one you walk into, you're like, ah, we're buying this one. <laughs> is that what you did, Drew? <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. And in this market, went to, uh, Cal Poly. Who one was our, that? One of our cousins went to Cal Poly. I can't remember. Oh, is that okay. John? No, no, that was Baylor. He went to Baylor. Shout out to John. Hey, John, what's up? <laughs> that's a stone's throw from my hometown. So most of my friends, because of access, they went to either Cal Poly San Luis Obispo or UC Santa Barbara because my hometown is sandwiched right between the two schools. And we would always go to one of those schools on a field trip, starting in elementary school all the way up through high school. Um, and so it, that's just one of those things. It's like, what is familiar to you is kind yeah. of where you end up going. And you can just that's see true. in your head, hey, I can see myself on this campus. Because I've been on campus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Precisely. Well, and that, now that you say that, Aaron, I transferred to a four-year institution where I had done a bunch of like camp stuff as like a high school, like student council or whatever. I'm like, hey, I know what this place looks like. 
I never even did a campus tour of anything because I just picked what I was familiar with and just what? went with it. But that's how <laughs> that's why the universities do that. Like my university does music camps yeah. all year long, every summer, every, every spring, every fall. And guess what? We have a great music program. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Assuming there's no pandemic, we have a summer workshop, which is to get people onto campus so that they know what we're like, you know, and if we're not a good fit, we're not a good fit. But for those that we are a good fit, they know us, they can see themselves here, they have interacted with faculty and, and students. So We've gone on yeah. way too long. We've taken all of Aaron's time. No, sorry, yes, Aaron. It's okay. <laughs> it was fun. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for coming on and, and sharing AVID with us and our listeners. Um, listeners, if you would like to uh, send something for us to talk about, you can reach me on Twitter. I'm at Dr. Hyland, D-O-C-T-O-R-H-Y-L-A-N-D, or send me an email, peter.o.hyland, H-Y-L-A-N-D, at gmail.com. Once again, Aaron, thank you for coming. It was fantastic listening to you and learning more about AVID. I want to go take an AVID class yep. now. So <laughs> be ready. I'm going to come in and call you mom. Uh, <laughs> you wanted to You're become welcome. an AVID teacher. I thought you were going to go take an AVID class and become an AVID teacher. Come on, Peter, pay it. I, well, you know, I will I won't say that I, I, I won't deny that I have written down here like college AVID question mark mm -hmm. <laughs> i put avid tutorology question mark yes, there you go so. i already have the website pulled up in the background i'm ready to go <laughs> yes we'll see what we can do about spring. thank you for attending our uh our commercial for avid yes <laughs> <laughs> all right just get two friends to join avid then they kick it <laughs> not a pyramid team no not at all <laughs> all right everyone thank you so much we will see you listeners or you will hear us next week bye bye bye, bye. thank you Aaron.